Welcome to this investment presentation. My name is Levi and just because this is the first time I've ever presented I just want to give you a bit of a back, uh, an idea of my background. I studied economics and mathematics and then went on and done a master's degree in financial risk management. In summer 2017 I published a book called Investment, Economics and Risk and I'm in the final stages of publishing a, another book called The Economics of Entrepreneurship. And what I want to do today is just discuss with you some of the ideas that I have on investment themes. We're in a new year now and we're in a new decade as well. So people understandably want to look at what sort of uh, things might sort of materialise in 2020. How they might want to adjust their portfolios. And I just want to share some ideas and uh, findings of analysis that I've come up with over the course of the last couple of weeks and some of this has been ongoing for a little bit longer so I just want to get into it give you some ideas and uh, let you know some of the, the strategies that I would recommend uh, for a UK investor the first thing that I would say is that I think that the the US dollar is probably overvalued and I would say the Great British pound is undervalued if you look at the pound dollar exchange rate I think that uh, well I know that when uh, when the market crashed in 2008 the stock market crash we had uh, the pound lost very quickly it tanked against the dollar and uh, put in a low an absolute low of 1.4 and then for years it stayed miles above the 1.4 now we're actually at 1.3 and I think that it's a it's quite a good reasonable uh, forecast to say that we should get the pound back against the dollar at 1.4 as a minimum target I think for for 2020 and you can obviously trade that um, or you can consider some of the stocks because companies like uh, Diego or Diego the, the ticker is DGE and it's a company that I hold they own Guinness, PIMS, Captain Morgan's rum, they they are uh, Moe Champagne. They're a good company, but they they do well when the dollar increases against the pound because a lot of their uh, their earnings are in dollars. So that could be a company that comes under pressure. Things like that, where you've got FTSE 100 or FTSE 250 companies. I mean, they're, they're mainly going to be the multinationals, uh, FTSE 100 companies. Uh, that export and get a lot of their overseas sales in dollars those are the ones that are probably going to get hit if this prediction comes true what I would say is if you look at uh, historic charts the S&P 500 since its peak in 2008 and for those of you that have looked at the chart or remember perhaps the market put in a peak in 2001 or 2000 2001 the dot-com bubble burst and then market came off and then it rallied and it went straight back to the peak and that's where it had the 2008 credit crisis crash the market has surpassed that and if you look at the S&P 500 it's actually doubled from its peak so the US market is quite expensive relative to European stocks and if you look at the FTSE 100 where it is from its 2001 and 2008 peaks it's only put in about a 9% increase the market is currently trading about 9% higher than the peaks it put in at two in 2008 yet as I say uh, S&P 500 is actually over doubled since then so I think what could happen this year 
is there could be some selling of US stocks. They've they've put in uh, obviously as I've sort of implied, they've put in record highs and they keep making record highs. Momentum is higher, so I would not advise short selling any US indices, but as a value investor, you if you're truly international, you have to look at the valuations in the US and then look elsewhere and I think the FTSE 100 potentially has got some legs in it this year. So I think that it's uh, it's it's not cheap, but in a world with inflated assets, I think that the FTSE 100 has got potential to go higher. I'd caveat that and say the FTSE 250 is trading at record highs because obviously that's uh, a bit more of uh, inward looking companies that are a bit smaller. A lot of their sales are in the UK economy and the pound has gone down, which has pushed up the uh, FTSE 250. So one of the things that I like to do is I like to look at things in valued in gold, basically. How many ounces of gold would it take to buy the FTSE 100 at the moment? And I've got some stats for you. So I looked back over five years of data and in September 2015, you could it would take nine ounces of gold to buy a FTSE 100 CFD contract in June 2016 that went all the way down to six ounces of gold so six ounces of gold would buy the FTSE 100 in December 2018 this went up to about eight eight and a half ounces of gold and then August 2019 it went down to about 5.5 ounces of gold Currently, it costs about 6.5 ounces of gold to buy the FTSE 100 or the FTSE 100 uh, CFD contract. So, I don't think that if you look at the ranges in the last five years, uh, nine ounces of gold to buy the FTSE in September 2015, you could argue that maybe stocks were expensive relative to gold. And August 2009, you could say that gold was expensive relative to stocks and I think at the moment we we're not in an extreme I think that on on balance you would probably say that uh, stocks are quite cheap compared to gold at least and even in nominal terms as I say we're up nine percent from the peak which I don't the peak of 2008 so I don't think that's excessive at all if you want to look at individual stocks, I've had quite a good record over the last couple of months. I managed to buy Balfour BT under £2, made about 10% on that. I bought Carnival shares at £31. They're a cruise line operator, one of the biggest, if not the biggest in the world. Uh, they are currently trading at, I think, £36 per share. Uh, international airline group, I bought them. I can't remember what price I paid, but made about 10% on them. So anyway... Oh, and also Stobart as well. I've done quite well on. Um, so I've I've sort of come up with a, a gut feeling sometimes when I look at these companies that pay a decent dividend, good assets, but they're just historically low. And I wanna the reason why I've brought up the fact that I've made some good decisions with purchasing is I've got a recommendation for you, and I think that one of the biggest value I don't know, prospects in 2019 was the banking sector because of Brexit. And I just want to make it clear because I'm going to make a recommendation and I, I literally have just bought shares in this company. If you look at how the UK banks have performed, I looked today what Barclays was trading at 
exactly a year ago, so on the 3rd of the 1st, 2019. And when you look, it's gone up, Barclays share price has gone up 20.67%. RBS, same thing, has gone up 22.26%. Lloyds has gone up 22.21% since a year ago. HSBC has gone down 8.28%. So a UK bank that obviously is a lot more outward looking, it's a lot bigger than all of the other banks I just mentioned, and a lot of their earnings is in um, Hong Kong and Asia. So obviously that's uh, Hong Kong has put itself in a recession through the protests. So it's no surprise really that the bank is down. But HSBC, the dividend yield is over 6%. And I think that that's quite a safe dividend as well. And and this obviously is the recommendation. So I think that HSBC is uh, one of the best opportunities in the FTSE 100. If you look at the chart, it's not at that much of a, an attractive price. It's currently trading at £5.90. I think there's potential that it could go down to 580 £5.70 maybe. But with a 6% dividend yield, and I think it pays out quarterly as well. So I, I'm thinking... You know what, I don't care if, it, if the share price goes down for a couple of weeks or months because I'm getting a good return. And in fact, I'd like to see the share price go down because my dividends get reinvested at cheaper rates. So that's one of the big prospects that I would name. I also think the oil industry, like BP and Royal Dutch Shell, I, I, I don't think that you would regret paying today's valuations. Again, they're not amazing valuations, but I, I certainly don't think that it's overvalued either. And that brings me on to um, some general thoughts that I've had recently. And I think that in my book that I published 2017, Investment, Economics and Risk, I made a case for gold and fundamental reasons why I thought gold would have been a good investment. And obviously, um, I think it was... I think I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. It was definitely last year the end of last year, I think it was actually summer, that gold was the most expensive it's ever been relative to the pound. So it would, in 2017, it was right to say that gold was going to go up and gold did go up. And I talked about fundamental reasons. And one of the technical analysis reasons that I want to discuss is that gold went up for 10 years and it then had about a 50% pullback, which is quite normal. If you look at technical analysis books, a lot of the time that does happen. So it shouldn't really have been a surprise that at 50% retracement that some people were starting to get a little bit bullish. And obviously the price of gold went sideways for a couple of years. And now I think it's taken off again. And we could see, especially relative to the US dollar, we could see gold going on to test and maybe even make new highs against the US dollar. I've already mentioned that I think the US dollar is uh, expensive. So I think that that gold, the the momentum is going to carry gold higher, I think, for at least the, the next quarter or two. But the thing is with gold is obviously there's no cash flow. There's no dividends. There's no interest. So you absolutely have to get the entry right. It all does depend on what you buy it at and what you sell it at. And I just don't think, especially if you're buying it in pounds, I just don't think that you should be buying gold now. I, I think the pound is undervalued. I think it's, it's a little bit uh, conflicting because I think the pound will go up, which would suggest that you should wait to buy gold. But I think gold in general is going to go up. The dollar weakness is going to cause 
international investors to come out of the dollar and if if they sell out of the dollar what do they go into do they go into the pound with all the things that's happening with brexit i'm not too sure uh the euro is another one that's a bit dodgy uh chinese renminbi i mean uh one of the reasons why gold went up on uh, the second i think the second or first trading day of 2020 is because uh, the Chinese announced that they're reducing the amount of capital that their banks need to hold in reserve. So they're, they're basically uh, flooding flooding the system a little bit more with uh, printing money. And, and this brings me on to my final point of this particular presentation. One thing that I would say is that I think that interest rates are going to go higher. We're, we're seeing in Europe, we're seeing in a couple of countries negative interest rates. And I think that where we've had low or zero lower bound interest rates for um, about 12 years now, people think this is the new norm in a way. But I don't think that it is. I think that we will get higher interest rates. And one of the things that I want to draw to your attention is the amount of debt that we have. And I know you've all heard about the debt before. Everyone's always predicting financial Armageddon because of the amount of debt the Western economies are in. Um, but what I want to say is that I, in in the UK alone, and I know it's mirrored across uh, the Western, um, especially the US, the, the Western economies, unemployment levels, so the amount of the workforce that hasn't got a job is at record lows, uh, sorry, not record lows, it's at lows, it's never been this low since 1974. So employment is, is booming. But if you look, we are still borrowing money. And, and and the politicians come out and the Chancellor comes out and says, we've reduced the deficit. But you sit there and you think employment is the highest it's been since 1974, yet we're still not paying our debt off. How? What is it going to take for us to be able to borrow, not only just borrow less, but start paying some of this back? And you sort of come to the conclusion that we're never going to pay it back. Not not in the conventional sense that uh, I would have to pay a bank back if I borrowed a loan. So I think what will happen is the Bank of England and the Federal Reserve, they're just going to print money. They're going to continue to print money. And they're going to erode the real effect of the debt. Because if uh, let's, let's make it really one-dimensional and just say... Uh, the UK borrows money from France. We borrow a million pounds and we have to pay it back next month. When the Chancellor looks at the books, he says, we haven't got a million pounds spare, but we need to pay this back in a month. What do we do? Let's print a million pounds. We give France a million pounds. They're happy. We didn't have to balance the book. We printed it. And the problem that this has, and, and I think it's the only way we will repay our debt, is by printing money. The problem that this has is that as you increase the supply of currency, it devalues. And it, it it's fine all the time that the ECB and the Federal Reserve are doing the same thing because the pound might devalue, the dollar might devalue. They're all devaluing in tandem, which is fine, but eventually it's going to devalue against commodities and commodities are going to go up you're going to see inflation and central banks are going to have to raise interest rates to defend the pound we're all going to have to do it the ecb the federal reserve you can only print so much money 
Now, one of the things that we saw from uh, post-war Germany is that they printed and printed and printed, and obviously it led to a hyperinflation, but there, and not a lot of people realise this, there was a lag. It didn't happen straight away. Because people were so fearful of the economy, they were saving this money, so it was stashed under mattresses. It, it wasn't circulating the economy straight away. So they got away with printing that money, and it didn't cause an immediate problem with inflation because people were holding the money. And then as people began to realise that there was just so much money in circulation, they realised they had to spend the money as quick as they could. And that's when you get into a hyperinflation. So I think that people shouldn't think to themselves that because governments are printing money, there's going to be a crisis in five years time or 10 years time. This could go on for decades and not really have too much of an effect. And one of the things that you need to realize is that where they've printed money, it hasn't caused general inflation as much as you would expect because it's caused inflation in asset prices. Gold has gone up, US stocks, a lot of the, a lot of the printed money, the capital has gone over to US stocks and that's why they're trading as high as they are. The US dollar's high as well money is flowing and you've got to think if it flows out of the US where is it going to go and I think I think there's a ground to say that it will go into gold I think it will go into Asia and um, I also think that uh, it will go into FTSE 100 as well so that concludes this tutorial or this this presentation I hope that you enjoy it and I will be uh, releasing some others soon as well